Let's kick it off with our national anthem. There's only two genders, boys and girls is a crazy opening line. Are the lyrics on Genius? Are the lyrics? Yes, they are. Let's go. Now we can really get into the literary criticism of this song. They call me offensive, controversial. It's only two genders, boys and girls. They can't cancel my message because I'm the biggest independent rapper in the whole freaking world. <laughs> See the first rapper to say freaking. I mean, if you're releasing mainly on YouTube, I guess you want it to be safe for kids. Is this for kids? I'm not ashamed because I'm white. If every Caucasian's a bigot, I guess every Muslim's a terrorist. Every liberal is right. I don't want to talk to folks who don't get it. Go woke, go broke, no hope. It's pathetic. Pro-choice pronouns, pro-love, you're progressive. But you ain't pro-gun, no one to protect it. Where the American flag's at? Remember when people would hang those. Also, I heard he's Canadian, so that's why there's no American flags. My brother, you're in Canada. Taken down, they all been replaced <laughs> with BLM flags or a rainbow. The same rap, the same money, cars and clothes. We ain't selling drugs, we ain't gonna overdose. We ain't pushing guns, ain't promoting stripper poles. We won't turn your sons into thugs or your daughters into hoes. I know the lyric is, we won't turn your sons into thugs or your daughters into hoes. But how hard would it be? Hear me out. How hard would it be? If the line was, we won't turn your sons into daughters or your daughters into hoes. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if I offend you. I was put here to upset you. You can cry and you can scream. You can ride in the streets. You defunded the police. Now there's no one to protect you. Did we defund the police? What police department got defunded in the last few years? Yeah, in fact, a lot of police departments have been more funded. Look at my graph. Look at my chart. I mean, yeah, it's so funny because like he doesn't even try to change his voice a little bit. It's just like that annoying Jewish sound. I mean, I mean his voice is pretty much the same as if he were complaining about Bud Light. Like I watched a compilation of like YouTubers responding to it and they're all like, is this AI? No. <laughs> like this is the grim future that AI would deliver to us, but it's it's real. Make racks off compound interest, y'all live with your parents. This man said I make racks off compound interest. Y'all live with y'all parents. Kinda good. Some notes. I just did this for fun. All my people download this. Let's get a billboard number one. This ain't rap. This you mad, you mad, you mad. I guess it's cool to be the victim while I'ma be the man. You sad, you sad, you sad. You just try to get attention, being triggered's all you have. You mad, you mad, you mad. You blame everybody else for every problem that you can. You sad, you sad, you sad. I will never say I'm sorry, I ain't taking nothing back. This ain't rap, this ain't money, cars and clothes. We ain't selling drugs, we ain't gonna overdose. We ain't pushing guns, ain't promoting stripper poles. We won't turn your sons in the or your daughters in the hoes. I don't care if I offend you. I love that this man could build a career out of just taking right-wing talking points from the internet and yeah 
I mean, that was really entertaining, I think, for everyone. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's ass. Like, it's cringe, it's corny, it's bad. But it's a lot of really popular music that I would argue is is equally bad. It's just that this is, like, trying to have, like, a really anti-woke shock value message. And that's what makes it, like, extra cringe. But also, like, anti-drug. So it's, he's, like, wearing that dare sweatshirt the ben shapiro dare sweatshirt kind of goes hard it was like we care about the children you mad you mad you mad you blame everybody else for every problem that you can actually kind of catchy uh-oh so this is this is the danger <laughs> yeah last week was like a real shit lib episode on my part at least so um, this is me making up for it i guess you've totally changed because of this song yeah <laughs> the song made me see the light there was another ben shapiro collab that you may have seen this week he uh he went to auschwitz we are broadcasting today here from krakow poland flew in here on saturday night arrived on sunday night so we could visit auschwitz with elon musk you know i understand the need for this to, to invade Gaza, and unfortunately, some innocent people will die. There's no way around it. He's like, well, all my friends are Jewish. I'm like Jewish. And, you know, just the kinds of things that want to make you hold a gun to your mouth. Yeah, he also visited Israel and spoke to Netanyahu to, you know, talk about anti-semitism on the Twitter platform, or X has he's been, yeah, he was like, correcting ben shapiro yeah he was like dead naming it yeah he dead dead named twitter yeah and his father had like a, a south african mining operation like you don't have to go to israel to see apartheid you can just call your dad on the phone but today we're going to be talking about Neuralink. Neuralink. Elon Musk has many projects, doesn't he? He has being annoying online. Yeah. Punting satellites into a low Earth orbit to spy for the CIA. And, you know, one of his pet projects is a brain chip. This is a big topic. We want to do it justice. Buckle up. We might be looking at two or three episodes. Let's see how long this ends up being and we may um, have to cut it up. We're going to talk about the technology basics. Uh, the potential benefits and potential risks of Neuralink. We're going to talk about their testing on animals. We're going to talk about their upcoming testing on humans. And don't worry, we will get into um, the history of transhumanism and the connection that these Neuralink brain chip implants have to those histories. The goals of this company um, are pretty much twofold. Like there's the widely advertised set of goals, which is basically um, to help people who are disabled to uh, solve blindness, um, to help people who are paralyzed. And then there's the more uh, long-termist goals, which Musk has said um, many times, which is like to kind of quote, achieve a sort of symbiosis with artificial intelligence. Do you love being on your phone? Well, what if you were your phone? I used to make this joke in college, probably to the point where it's actually kind of annoying. And it was like, all right, Michelle, I got some new material. But I used to be like, one day we're going to put on our phones in the morning because we're all glued to them. You know, when you're like young, you think everything gets like really profound and you're just kind of like learning about like alienation and how everything's alive for the first time. Like I thought this was 
was like a genius saying that I had, but <laughs> but this is yeah, this is the idea. But this is more than that. You don't put them on in the morning. You put them on once through surgery and then they just stay on with you. So Neuralink, as you might know, is a, a company uh, developing a brain chip. It's going to be wireless and fully implanted into your brain. Yeah, and it's a little larger than a quarter and it would replace a piece of your skull and then threads kind of go around your brain and they insert the tiny threads into the neurons of your brain. It's a brain machine interface, uh, also known as a brain computer interface. These terms are essentially synonymous. We could either say BMI uh, not body mass index. <laughs> um, something I, you shouldn't measure. It doesn't, it's totally <laughs> irrelevant. Um, so BMI and BCI are essentially synonymous. Brain machine interface or brain computer interface. At first I thought BCI stood for uh, brain chip implant. I just kind of assumed, but it's brain computer interface. But anyway, um, research on BCIs uh, began in the 1970s by a man named Jacques Vidal at UCLA under a grant from the National Science Association, followed by a contract from DARPA. All roads lead us back to DARPA. Seriously. If you if you ever binge this show, a good drinking game would be take a shot every time we say DARPA. So anyway, that was the first time that uh, the term brain-computer interface was seen in scientific literature. In 1998, a dude named Philip Kennedy implanted the first invasive BCI in a human, in 2002, uh, we had the first demonstration of real-time cursor control in monkeys from a BCI. Um, in 2008, uh, we had a monkey controlling a robotic arm that fed itself. In 2012, the first brain-controlled robotic arm by a human. In 2017, a human controlled a cursor mentally and typed out sentences. I think the important thing there is like when Elon Musk tries to sell this as like a brand new technology he's really misrepresenting the whole field of research it's some i mean you can look at the at this as him being a hype man for this kind of research but he's not breaking totally new ground he is breaking totally new skulls you can say. <laughs> and it, it's it's kind of incredible that they recently got the the go-ahead from the fda to to experiment on people so but right. we'll get into that later right um before we get into that let's mention the applications of Neuralink that are advertised by its proponents right pretty much what we're talking about is helping people with parkinson's epilepsy dementia even psychiatric disease eventually like schizophrenia that's or schizophrenia i never know how to say that basically it's one heal the sick right? The medical applications like treating neurological disorders like, like we just talked about. And two, it's enhanced the cognitive abilities of people, whether they're sick or not, whether they're disabled or not. This is also known as transhumanism, um, the idea that we can improve upon the human body and get rid of the limitations we currently have to become something post-human, something better than human, right? Terminator. <laughs> yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it, but that's what people always make the comparison with. Transhumanism is also like, you know, not to be confused with transphobia. Musk but is it is, also it a, is big... a fun crossover. Yeah, well, I think Musk is also a big proponent of transphobia. He also has a trans kid. Yeah, right? is that the communist kid? I one, no. yeah, one of his kids is a communist, wanted to change her name. 
Yeah, but this is one of the reasons of or the his shift to the right, though it's mm -hmm. uh, you know it, it, we could say it was always there in Elon Musk, but one of his his problems is like my daughter won't talk to me anymore, so the woke <laughs> mind virus is, yeah. is getting really serious now. But anyway, transhumanism. Musk has often said um, his ultimate goal is allowing humans and AI to merge. This is something that my first boyfriend um, talked about a lot, <laughs> like annoying about. Was that <laughs> high school? Musk fit. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> kind of can't blame him. Like he was 16, but also like even then, see, even before I knew anything about anything, I didn't have politics. I didn't know anything. Musk was annoying. I didn't like his cadence. But shout out to my first boyfriend. Um, you didn't like your boyfriend's cadence? Elon Musk. Like, my boyfriend oh. would, like, show me videos of Elon Musk. This guy's a genius. And I was just, like, it never really spoke to me. Um, <laughs> it's like, we need to merge with AI. We need to merge. <laughs> it's like, I thought we were just going to merge you and me. We lost our virginities to each other. So we did merge. That's sweet. <laughs> um, Shout out to him. <laughs> I think we might need to cut that. So how does the brain-computer interface, how does the BCI get into that cranium? Right, let's talk about the procedure. So Neuralink basically says that it should happen in less than an hour without the need of any general anesthesia. You and... could get it done at like an airport kiosk. That's what they're imagining. Yeah, or like a CVS, like the vaccine. They're get like your passport photo. The patient could be discharged the same day, you know. So how does it get in there? Well, the chip is going to be installed in a person's brain by drilling a two millimeter hole in the skull. Cutting the skin, you're getting to the skull, you're drilling a hole, then you're exposing the protective layer of tissue that surrounds the brain called the dura. You learn so much about the brain. <laughs> well, like, and after funny. reading these articles, we're literally a brain scientist. <laughs> about the same degree of being a brain scientist as Elon Musk. <laughs> oh, and I forgot when we were talking about the procedure, I forgot to say um, with the brain surgery that Neuralink wants to have it all done by robot. Well, yeah, they have a robot dedicated to this surgery. Robots have been doing surgery. It's a thing that exists. That's also not a totally new thing. Yeah, it's not new, but it just it's relevant because it speaks to the company's mission of having this like uh, widely adopted. And you can't really like scale that if you're relying on human neurosurgeons. We need to automate the whole thing. So it's like LASIK, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's not if, if this is done by neurosurgeons, there's no way it can scale to a large numbers of people. It's like almost like the thing you get frozen yogurt from. You just like stick your head underneath and pull a lever and the chip goes into your brain. That's the robot. That's the surgery they're imagining. And, you know, with any, like with any, you know, neurosurgery, like there's risk of infection, bleeding tissue damage. But that's just what it means to do surgery. That That's for a different podcast. That's for someone's medical podcast to kind of yeah. the safety of Neuralink. But basically, these are class three medical devices. What does that mean? It's the highest level of scrutiny that the FDA assigns to medical devices. So the bar that Neuralink has to cross to get approved for use in human beings is quite high. FDA classifies devices or more accurately, device types, in order to identify the degree of regulation for that product area. Classification is largely based on two factors, the device description, that is, its physical characteristics, and the intended use. FDA classifies devices into class one, 
two, or three. As the risk of the device increases, so does the regulatory control to ensure its safety and effectiveness. So in May, the FDA approved them for human clinical trials, um, and now they're introducing that first clinical trial. It's called the PRIME study. PRIME stands for Precise Robotically Implanted Brain-Computer Interface, um, not to be confused with PRIME Good. Hydration, an energy drink promoted by YouTubers Logan Paul and KSI, where great flavor meets function. But no, this PRIME is, quote, a groundbreaking investigational medical device trial for a fully implantable wireless brain-computer interface. And the study is going to use a robot to surgically place one of the BCIs in a region of the brain that controls the intention to move. Okay, so they get approval from the FDA to do human trials in May. Then in September of 2023, Neuralink announces that they've got approval from an independent review board to begin recruitment for that first human trial. And this is specifically targeted towards people with paralysis. The trial is going to take six years to complete. Okay. Which is the length of World War II, I think. Um, <laughs> as many people will die. <laughs> <laughs> it's not known how many patients the FDA ultimately approved, but... It's yeah. probably not a lot. We do know that Neuralink had earlier hoped to receive approval to implant its device in 10 people and that Neuralink was then negotiating a lower number with the FDA oh, after the FDA said we have safety concerns. But yeah, I imagine that, you know, Musk is pushing forward like, we need to get this chip into people. And everyone, yeah. And yeah, and it's going to be, who, who are the candidates? It's going to be like quadriplegic or paraplegic people. Yeah, so people with like ALS qualify, people with SCI qualify. I went on the Neuralink website where you can like register to be in there. Mm. Patient register. How do you sign up if you don't have a Neuralink? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it's like a bunch of people that can't control mouses. So it's like a little bit not accessible. But anyway, they literally ask like, do you have one of the following conditions? Here are the conditions that they list. Quadriplegia, paraplegia, visual impairment or, or blindness, aphasia or the inability to speak, hearing impairment or deafness, and or major limb amputation affecting above or below the elbow and or above or below the knee. So those are the people they're looking for. And, you know, typically like initial trials are focused entirely on safety rather than effectiveness. But I noticed that Neuralink says this trial is for both safety and effectiveness kind of. Um, with this trial, Neuralink says it aims to do two things. One, evaluate the safety of the implant and the surgical robot. And two, assess the initial functionality for enabling people with quadriplegia to control external devices with their thoughts. So it's specifically for people with uh, quadriplegia, this first trial, even though they're trying to build their patient database for all those other conditions, such as paraplegia, blindness, aphasia, inability to speak as well. So in the marketing materials about Prime, Neuralink talks about how this tech could help transform the lives of people with paralysis and help to redefine the boundaries of human capability. So you're seeing both the heal the sick theme mm. and the transhumanism themes there, right? Let's watch the video. Hello. We're thrilled to introduce Neuralink's Prime study, the first clinical trial of a groundbreaking experimental device that could help transform the lives of people with paralysis. Imagine the joy of connecting with your loved ones, browsing the web, or even playing games using only your thoughts. This is made possible by placing a small, cosmetically invisible implant in a part of your brain that plans movements. 
The device is designed to interpret your neural activity so you can operate a computer or a smartphone by simply thinking about moving. Mm. No wires or physical movement are required. Redefine by participating in the prime study, in. you'd be helping to redefine the boundaries of human capability. If you've been living with quadriplegia from a spinal cord injury or with ALS, you may qualify for the prime study. I think it's interesting that they're like, expand the boundaries of what it means to be human when people with quadriplegia are just like, I just want to be human. Yeah. I, just want, <laughs> I just want to be able to text my girlfriend, you know? Yeah, like, like, if I could walk, that would actually be really sick thing. You're already selling me <laughs> on this yeah. technology. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't like, have to get into I the transhumanism. I, I'm just, humanism would be fine. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here but one might argue musk and and you know musk is probably just a middleman ultimately but he's you know kind of a figurehead for the ruling class in this regard but the goal of these people is transhumanism stuff they don't give a shit about people with als right but you have to kind of have to play this game of like we're just trying to heal the sick um yeah it's like imagine how could you be stephen hawking how could you be against this imagine if stephen hawking could really have sex Our with kids. his children. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because Musk often um, brings up Stephen Hawking as an example. He's just like, think about what he could do. And it's like, yeah, he would fuck kids better. Um, so you can imagine if Stephen Hawking could communicate faster than someone um, who had full, full body functionality. How incredible that would be. Well, that's what this device will do. Um, <laughs> yeah i mean i i 100 percent doubt or like 99 percent sure i know that nothing funny. happened with stephen hawking but well, yeah because he can't you just fuck. gotta make the jokes <laughs> i mean but okay he did cheat on his wife that's like another thing that happened i mean I okay whatever stephen hawking may have not had sex with a child but even a connection to F fun outside of that is damning when you have all of these people from academia, the media, politics, having a relationship with someone who is essentially a middleman for um, intelligence agencies and organized crime, that in itself is damning. Like, I don't need to see the child porn. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't need to know if he also got a massage. Like, you know, there are other ways you can get blackmail on people than having them fuck a kid. Maybe for Stephen Hawking, it was it was something else. I don't know. But anyway, where were we? Uh, yeah, where were we in this in this uh, recruitment video? Your courage and contribution could significantly shape the future of interaction and independence, not just for you, but for countless others. Let's shape I, uh... the future. That's the recruitment video. So there's obviously um, potential for good here, assuming it is safe. Um, I guess, you know, we'll see the long-term effects of this kind of device in 10, 20, maybe even 100 years. But assuming it's safe from like a health perspective for these patients, you could see that there's a lot of potential for good here. Um, we are improving human health for those who are disabled or differently abled, whatever you're supposed to say. I read about this like years ago in the arena of medical devices so many companies have gone under yeah. and then those devices just disappear from the market and there was a woman in australia and she was part of this trial where she had a brain implant that would notify her when she was about to have a seizure and she would be able to like stop driving or take medication 
and it improved her life so much. But then the company went bankrupt and they said, you have to send us back your brain chip. And so all this, this raised like, of course, important questions about like your human right as like being able to have that care once you're offered it, because like that was property of this company that, so there is some discussion about like neuro rights like how are mm -hmm. these machines going to change our rights to either not be manipulated with or once we have the device we'll be be able to keep it like we need it enshrined into law like no backsies okay. no backsies no tracksies and then speaking of of like you know creating rules and regulations around this um there's a lot of scientists are kind of like calling for this uh, there to be like an international treaty the bulletin of atomic scientists are saying like we need a treaty to regulate the weapons controlled by thinking is a headline that the bulletin ra ran um, in april of 2020 so here's a quote from that article Neuralink's brain machine interface could potentially help people with brain and spinal cord injuries who have lost the ability to move or sense as musk highlighted at the company's live stream launch event even more ambitiously, Musk said his long-term goal is, quote, to achieve a sort of symbiosis with artificial intelligence. It's also not difficult to imagine neurotechnology being used for darker purposes, unrelated to the goals of the researchers developing it. A brain-machine interface could, for instance, be hacked or used to spy on or deliberately invade someone's innermost thoughts. It could be used to implant new memories or to extinguish existing ones. It could even be used to direct bionic soldiers, remotely pilot aircraft, operate robots in the field, or telepathically control swarms of artificial intelligence-enabled drones. Proponents of neurotechnology talk about um, mostly uh, helping people with life-threatening or irreversible diseases, but the thing about technology is it's also going to be applied to many other uses, right? And so... Uh, this group of scientists is kind of calling for uh, an international treaty, right? But is international law the answer? I don't know. Like, <laughs> what has international <laughs> law ever done? Yeah, especially African leaders in prison. <laughs> like, exactly. It's a very, um, and get former very liberal Oregon leaders to commit suicide in court. <laughs> like, there was like a uh, Bosnian guy who committed suicide at the ICJ. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, like the U.S. just refuses to sign or ratify foundational international laws and treaties that the mass vast majority of the countries of the world have signed, like the Rome Statute of International Criminal Court, the Convention on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women, the International Convention on the Protection of the Rights of All Migrant Workers, the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea, which is especially ironic because the U.S. tries to assert the law of the sea um, in the South China Sea, all like against China, yeah. um, while refusing to ratify itself. Um, I don't know, we could go on the Ottawa Treaty... And then the U.S. has signed, but just violates the Chemical Weapons Convention, the Biological Weapons Convention, um, and not to mention, you know, the hundreds of treaties signed by the indigenous nations and the U.S. government, you know, every single one of which the U.S. just violates or ignores. So is international law the solution? IDK. But, um, <laughs> but, but what those scientists are highlighting is the very real um, 
potential for bad with this kind of yeah. technology, right? But it's going to be interesting when um, when we move past the scope of disabled people and talk about enhancing their cognitive abilities, um, whether it's you know memory enhancement or learning acceleration. So they're testing both the brain implant they're developing and testing the surgical robot that's doing the implanting right now. It's a lot of testing that needs to be done. Yeah, and there was a lot of testing that was already done, though, on animals. So in 2020, Neuralink unveiled a pig named Gertrude. They basically showed the scientific community that they got the ability to measure sensory activity. They got neurons, and this is a big moment in uh, BMI research. Should I play the video or should I just put it in post? I haven't seen the pig video. I've been so focused on the monkeys. When people say monkey torture, I am paying attention. I quote like the three little pigs demo. For these kinds of Um, demonstrations. uh, If our animal handlers, we're bringing out the the pigs. And what we're going to show you is a, well, I'll walk right over and show you. So what we have in. World's awkwardest man. Pen number one yeah. is Joyce, uh, and she does not have an implant. <laughs> Obviously, healthy and happy. Um, <laughs> God, healthy and happy kids. pig. So here's Dorothy, um, and in the case of Dorothy, um, Dorothy used to have an implant, and then we removed the implant. So this is uh, an, a very important thing to uh, demonstrate is reversibility. So if you if you have a neural oh, link, so cute. then you decide you don't want it, or you want to get an upgrade, oh. and the neural link is removed, um, is it removed in such a way that you are still healthy and happy afterwards? What Dor- Dorothy illustrates is that you can put in the neural link, remove it, and be healthy, happy, and indistinguishable from a normal pig. Oh, thanks, Dorothy. <laughs> here we go. Great. Or person. Okay. Okay, here's Gertrude. This is a, a high-energy pig. Um, all right. Gertrude, thanks for coming out. Um, so what you're, the, the beeps you're hearing are real-time signals from the neural link in Gertrude's head. So this neural link connects to neurons that are uh, in her snout. So whenever she snuffles around and touches something with her snout, the, that sends out uh, neural spikes, which are detected here. They're much more than okay, when you're not yeah, touching Yeah, it sounds snout. like he... They're gathering and, uh, a lot of information they don't know how to make sense of. It's like, we just have signals. But yeah, they're basically showing that they have neurons, that they have the ability mm. to detect neurons. The pig no small is pig. living. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, cool. Uh, we have a healthy and happy pig. Um, initially shy, but obviously high energy and, and uh, you know, kind of loving life. And uh, she's had the... Did no one give this man a script? <laughs> yeah, so kind of loving life, loving life, just kind of vamping. God, he reminds me of Trump so much. Watching this video, anyway. Plant for two months. Oh, he's so just like, I'm gonna wing it. Not as seasoned as at Trump at that skill, though. Healthy and happy yeah. pig with a implant that is Musk two months would old. Start talking about the competitors. Trump, yeah, You're like no one else can do this. Desynchron yeah. doesn't have pigs. Happy and healthy, <laughs> unlike Ron DeSantis, it's a very unhappy man. <laughs> yeah. Sold and working well. Uh, when we have, say, um, one of our pigs on a treadmill, <laughs> pig on a treadmill. <laughs> it's a funny, funny concept, really. <laughs> um, and we 
first uh, together. The readings from the we're neurons, laughing with them And we now. try to predict the position of the joints. Um, and so we say we have the predicted position of the joints, and then we, we measure the actual position of the joints. You can see that they're almost exactly aligned. So we're able with um, a wireless neural, imp neural implant to actually predict the position of, of all of the limbs mm -hmm. uh, in the pig's body. You know, just think about the potential for putting this in, in a human. Right now, obviously, as, as human beings living in a global surveillance state, we're monitored in a number of ways, right? Cameras, mm -hmm. certain sensors, online activity, yada, yada, yada. But once you're in the brain, it's like yeah. all bets are off. Okay, so that's 2020 when they un unveil the pig. Um, I want to show you one more of the pig. Okay. Before we move on to monkey. All right, show me the pig. So my name is Joey. I'm a neuroengineer, and I'm the head for the next. You can hear, right? Mm -hmm. The team at Neuralink. So for persons Seems with spinal cord injury, the connection between the brain and the body <laughs> is severed. The brain continues functioning normally, but it's unable to communicate with the outside world. You've already heard about how we can use the N1 link as a communication prosthesis to help someone with spinal cord injury control a computer or a phone, but it can also be used to reanimate the body. Let me show you how. So here's a pig walking on a treadmill, and you may have seen something like this before in a previous uh, Neuralink presentation. But unlike before, this pig has a more than one Neuralink device. There's a device in the brain, but there's also one in the spinal cord. And we can stream neural data from this device, these devices, in real time and use them to do things like decode the movement of the joints of the pig. So this is super cool, but that's actually not what we want to do. We want to go in the other direction. We would like to stimulate the spinal cord and cause movement to occur. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's do that. So here's a pig, uh, a happy and healthy pig doing what pigs like to do, which is root around. I guess that's like the company line. Happy and healthy. Yeah. <laughs> It's happy and healthy, you guys. It. It's happy and healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Neuralink statement. Pigs are happy and healthy. Okay, so let's stimulate an electrode. So here's one electrode on one thread that when we stimulate, causes a flexion movement of the leg. So on the left, you can see the movement of the joints, and you can also see the time series of the stimulation pattern in yellow. So I don't know if this is clear, maybe to the audio people. They're making this pig's leg move. The pig is not picking up its leg. They're stimulating that picking up of the leg. Yes. So on the left, you can see a time series of different stimulation on different electrodes. You can see the movements of the joints. And on the right, we're zooming in on muscle activity that gives us an idea of the kind of strength and power and specificity of those uh, movements as well. Like, let's get into the monkey torture. What are we doing here? Wasting our time with the pig. Okay. Uh, you know, we got to show what they what they can do. They're making the pig do arabesques right now, but they're going to be making you do an arabesque tomorrow. True. Okay, so in 2021, they were basically able to show that their new device works in a monkey. We have the infamous Mind Pong video where a monkey named Pager is implanted with two N1 chips and plays Pong using the implant. This is showing people that Neuralink was working in monkeys, which is obviously very important evidence, right? That's evidence that they need to show the FDA they're ready for human clinical trials. What are we, if not just big-ass monkeys... So the monkey yeah. tests basically showed a monkey playing Pong and showed his predicted movements as well as his uh, movements. They showed that they could predict the monkey's movements. They could yeah. identify the movements within the brain before the monkey did them. Yeah. And then, but Musk, the brain scientist, he is, went off script and was like, 
a monkey has been able to control the computer with its brain just fyi he said that like offhand the monkey was not controlling the computer the computer was picking up the brain signals yeah the brain signals so max hodak one of the co-founders and president at the time said i didn't realize we were running that result today but there it goes and i guess the capability is there but yeah but max like those scientists were like caught off guard they're constantly like trying yeah. to catch up with what musk is saying because he's not really a scientist and then Neuralink released a paper that was not written by any scientist, but just had Elon Musk's name on it, which is so strange because the guy is not a PhD in neuroscience. But what's interesting about that video was that it was done 10 years earlier by a, a researcher at Duke named Miguel Nicolele, Miguel Nicololeus. He has a fucking Greek ass name. Nicolelis. Nicolelis. Um, uh oh, she said it. Miguel and last Stop. name <laughs> had done the experiment and had published his research 10 years earlier. And Max Hodak, who was a co founder of Neuralink, was Miguel Nicololaeus's research assistant when yep. he had completed the uh, demonstration of having a monkey's. Uh, thoughts or uh, brain implant connected to a robot that was moving. Really, the only minor difference with the monkey experiment that um, Neuralink had done, Miguel's research, was that they just had more electrodes that were communicating with the neurons, more filaments. But that monkey experiment was almost identical to Max Hodak's Professor Miguel Nicolaeus's yeah. experiment that had been done um, in 2003, where he had a monkey controlling a, an entire robot in Tokyo. So he was working stealing Nicolaeus's valor. So here's what Nicolaeus has to say about Musk. Um, so he was pretty pissed when the monkey test came out. People like Elon Musk, who has, has a faint idea where the brain is located. He barely knows where it is located, but he, he, he thinks that he knows what brain-machine interface is capable of doing or not doing. For instance, I can assure you, you are not going to download your brain to a CD-ROM and give it to your mom or to your kids. You are not going to learn French by uploading French grammar directly to your brain. That's what he promised would happen. No, it's not going to happen at all, because information is treated and embedded in the brain completely differently than it happens to be processed by a Turing machine or a computer. We are not digital devices. We are, our brains are, if anything, analog, mainly analog. There are, there are digital components, like language is more digital, but information in the brain is embedded in the organic tissue that constitutes the brain. So you cannot extract it. You cannot make juice, memory juice like he wants to. Perhaps Dr. Nicolaus is right about this specific topic. I personally have no reason to doubt him as I'm still not very knowledgeable about the brain. That's However, 
what is this some like elon musk fanboys yeah it's an elon <laughs> musk fanboy like perhaps like, okay this is the criticism and this is how and he's like i don't know anything about neuroscience but here's my criticism of the neuroscientist <laughs> like so i'm sure you've heard about the monkey torture that has been going on at Neuralink because of the rush timeline that musk had put him on like we need to get to the moon we need to get to yeah the center of the brain a lot of these operations that were done on these monkeys led to all kinds of complications um yeah the uh committee of physicians for responsible medicine has have been following these fucking guys very closely and they've ordered them they've ordered uh neuralink to release documents and so they have they released documents how uh, specifically how each monkey had died and like picture photos of the monkeys and um so since since the surgeries were so rushed apparently a lot of them got infected and the wounds never healed some of the monkeys were trying to peel brain chip out of their head uh one monkey died from just like throwing up too much another died from mutilating itself all in all the company killed about 1500 animals including more than 280 sheep pigs and monkeys following experiments that they were doing since 2018 this is according to uh records the records that were reviewed by Reuters um, of course, that's a rough estimate because the company does not keep precise records on the number of animals tested and killed. And Musk was asked about the monkey deaths, and he basically said, oh, those monkeys were going to die anyway. Um, he said oh, yeah. he was saying we were only using terminally ill monkeys, which right. is not true. Or he didn't say we were. He said some of those monkeys were terminal. He was like, yeah, there were some terminal monkeys and. Um, basically his point was that Neuralink never caused the death of a monkey, like the chip itself never caused the death of the monkey. And we read these headlines, obviously, about uh, monkeys who died, as you know. How, what should we think about that? Uh, yeah, actually, the, the, the this is... The, the, you know, so uh, the, 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 the thing that gets conflated is that there were some terminal monkeys where, you know, this is long, this was actually several years ago, where the monkeys were about to die, and mm. we're like, okay, we've got an experimental device. It's the kind of thing we should only put on a monkey that's about to die. And then, you know, now the monkey died, but it didn't die because of the neural link. It died because it was, you know, had a terminal case of cancer or something like that. So, uh, neural link has, has never caused the death, death of a monkey. It's the best, I, I, unless they're, they're hiding something from me. Like, no one was saying the chip is what killed them. They're saying your company created horrible conditions that killed them you know what i mean so then he goes yeah. on cnbc and he's like well actually that's not true those monkeys were gonna die anyway it's like okay but why were they gonna die sure the chip didn't cause their death but your company still ca caused their death right just side note like that's the same interview where, where musk was asked about the dead monkeys that's the same interview where he said i disagree with the idea of unions had had the monkeys unionized, <laughs> it would have just been terrible. They would have <laughs> ran out of bananas, or there wouldn't be enough for Musk, yeah. the CEO, to have his banana bunch. The idea of monkeys unionizing is obviously funny, but actually not so far-fetched when you consider 
um, the marketing surrounding the animal testing and surrounding the use of monkeys mm -hmm. is so um, twisted on Neuralink's part. Like the main themes that you see when they talk about these monkeys are consent, agency, talking about how the monkeys have the, the animals have the agency to be involved and and they're choosing to be involved. And it's like it's like, mm, did the animals consent to this testing? Like, no, like they don't have the ability to do that. I mean, this is obviously a bigger conversation. Neuralink is not the only company involved in animal testing, you know, it's, but Neuralink makes it extra funny by then bringing back in the, the idea of consent in like um, a very tough Yeah, it's like way. nobody brought, brought up consent. <laughs> nobody assumed you were getting the monkeys to sign the same paper you were getting the right. quadriplegics like to sign. Like nobody asked you that, but... They wanted to be like, hey, by the way, watch this for a second. Take a shot every time they say um, agency or, or consent or something like that. When we think about how we can improve the lives of animals that are contributing so much for us, we think about all the ways in which we can provide them comfort, agency and joy. We are really excited to share with you some of these refinements we were able to work on this year. One of these projects we worked on with our engineering team was making research data collection a fun, comfortable, and voluntary aspect of the animal's life. Voluntary. By bringing automated <laughs> data centers to their home spaces, they can now choose when to participate. Joy. Agency is a top priority of our program. Agency. While it was always voluntary, charging the implant was an area we wanted to refine further. Now animals can- So for those of you only listening, the monkey. Oh my God! Hold on. I got. I need to go to a different screen. Okay. Um, you can't look this monkey in the eyes. Who is for sad. sure dead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the chip is in their head, right? Um. Mm -hmm. So the way that they get the monkeys to charge the chip, because um, I think a, uh, the lifespan of the battery is like about a day or something. <laughs> Um, is they have this little branch with a charger and then they make the monkey go under the branch to like get some, I think it's a banana smoothie, I think he's about to say, um, to charge the chip. So they're uh, making the monkey go underneath the charger. And these monkeys aren't paralyzed. They don't need this. This is only making their lives worse. Um, it is not, it's not consent either way, but in some fairy tale land where they feel like they're, you know, asking for consent okay maybe a monkey would say yes if the monkey had a fucked up leg and Neuralink was helping it <laughs> but it's not even that like you're just doing animal experiments like it's it is a couple steps away from nazi shit like you're experimenting on living beings mm. yeah, uh, I and again i not... would say that but yeah <laughs> it is. well it's true you can say that that's justified but the fact is you are experimenting on living beings um, I'm not saying, again, Neuralink is unique in this regard, and I'm not even necessarily saying I'm against animal testing, but the fact is it is testing on living beings, you know what I mean? And to pretend it's, it's some sort of liberal, you know, choice situation. The monkey is it's so absurd. That is so crazy. They, beyond like, we, got, parody. we got this monkey to hire a lawyer to read our documents so yeah. it's crazy it's an crazy area we want. our vet staff and behaviorists have worked together to develop a training program so the sheep volunteer for their care 
They're volunteering for their care, Naomi. Choice and agency are fundamental to good welfare for anyone. Communication buttons have helped us better understand what our animals want. It's it's just disturbing the the reports of the things that the monkeys had endure thinking about how unnecessary it was it wasn't just like monkey torture for the greater good it was like monkey yeah. torture because they were off schedule and because they were doing these invasive surgeries when there's technology out there that is way less invasive that is already achieving the goals of of having paralyzed people move so another name of Neuralink should just be like cruel and unusual monkey torture <laughs> yeah but like <laughs> elon musk has been so adamant about defending right uh, defending the company against claims that it killed monkeys he, oh, said, yeah. he says Neuralink is a paradise for monkeys um so uh it is it is like monkey paradise um yeah <laughs> they're just like eating banana smoothies all day just getting their <laughs> totally unnecessary surgery right and they have the best health care they they have games they have tvs he mentions yeah. he's like what monkey doesn't want to watch the playoffs no. <laughs> so yeah so you're talking about how um uh okay. The staff was kind of working in this pressure cooker environment, which was largely led by Musk. My favorite quote from um, one of the Reuters articles is, on several occasions over the years, Musk has told employees to imagine they had a bomb strapped to their heads in an effort to get them to move faster. Oh my <laughs> God, which is what the monkeys experienced. <laughs> which is, it's like, he should have been like, imagine you as the monkey. You are basically my monkeys. Imagine a bomb is strapped to your head. Imagine a a bomb strapped to your, to your head. And yeah, that was pretty good. Here's another quote from the article. In one instance in 2021, the company implanted 25 out of 60 pigs with the wrong size devices. All of the pigs were subsequently killed. An error that employees said could have been easily avoided with more, more preparation. So when Musk says Neuralink has never killed any monkeys he's wrong because the company Neuralink has actually killed a ton of monkeys and pigs and sheep it's definitely efficient at one thing and that is killing monkeys also another thing that's interesting is uh Neuralink decided to do the more invasive approach to this brain chip interface right so you could go the stent way where you go through the jugular vein and just have it snaked up to your brain. You could go through the ear, you could go through the nose, but no, they want to, like an ancient Egyptian uh, doctor, they want to drill through your skull. They want to, yeah. and the robot like is kind of like a sewing machine and like sews into the tissue. And there's just so many risks associated with that that we saw the monkeys experience there's just inflammation and scar tissue when you start to dig and claw around the brain but yeah. in its early stages in 2018-2019 the uh, Neuralink was actually exploring the intravascular route the, the less invasive route but they decided against that because the goal of Neuralink is again to 
expand the capabilities of the brain chip. So it's going to do more than just help paralyzed people. It's going right. to, you know, be uh, the human can become machine. And the whole goal is to have more electrodes, thousands of them that can provide more bandwidth and therefore get more information from the brain. This is what sets the company apart is they're promising that they're going to just have more information, more access, more capabilities with this chip, as opposed to the other chips that have already proven to work in people who are paralyzed. Right. So like if it were about helping paralyzed people, they wouldn't be trying to reinvent the wheel so much. But what makes that wheel reinvention make sense is the other goal of Neuralink, which is to redefine the possibilities of human cognitive abilities. I did read one article that was in like an international security journal, and they were like very concerned about how this technology, which exists outside of Neuralink and DARPA is also developing it, but how it can be used in uh, war zones or by a hostile power like Russia's going to be making us do the Macarena <laughs> <laughs> all the time. I read that paper too. And basically it's talking about how uh, neurotechnology has been and can be used in what they call wins, which is basically warfare, intelligence, and national security applications. So like, you know, the way that we want to use any sort of technology um, as a military is like, you know, to enhance our capabilities or to impair or influence our opponent's capabilities. So like on the side of optimizing our own human performance, like obviously we already have a lot of potential with like pharmacological agents, like amphetamines, blockers, and we can influence or impair our opponents with, you know, neuropharmological stuff like benzos, barbiturates, MDMA, ketamine, sarin even, mm -hmm. shout out to Bashar al-Assad. Uh, you know, there's neuromicrobial agents like viruses and bacteria. There's neurotoxins, like a bunch of stuff I can't pronounce and I'm not even going to try. But once you introduce the idea of like neurotechnology into this world, like what is that going to look like? You know? Yeah, it's a whole MK Ultra renaissance. Like the government is so excited about the idea of mind control. And it's like now they I, with LSD, they couldn't really do it. You, I guess you could put to sleep. You could put somebody to sleep <laughs> with barbiturates. But you, the real thing right now is they're getting excited about mind control. Yeah, to influence the opponent, but also to create super soldiers for your own side, for your your own soldiers, um, to you know optimize their performance, right? Um, maybe we could get rid of that um, annoying little part of the brain that questions authority in the military, yeah. or the pesky part of the brain that has empathy for its drone victims. Yeah. You know, these are just kind of the questions that I think academics are starting to ask, even if you want to. Um, accept the stated goals of the Neuralink researchers, right? The thing about technology is that um, the uses can move past the intentions of the original scientists and researchers, you know what I mean? Just because, you know, the people in the lab right now are thinking about people with paralysis and, you know, that's you could say it's very it's very noble it's very you know uncontroversial um that doesn't mean and that's definitely why the fda said you could go ahead and test on humans because 
they were right. not buying the stuff about transhumanism. They were not like, we, yeah, we didn't want that in a private company's hands. Yeah, although I could, you're probably right, but there's also another side to this, which is that the head of the FDA, um, Robert Ka Khalid, Kadlik, Kalik, something like that. Kalik, like my bangs are doing right now. Um, Caliph, I forget his name. Fuck, I should probably just look it up since we're talking about it. Um, yeah, Khalifa. <laughs> um, protect Taylor Swift, Robert Caliph. There we go. Okay, um, so this is why he got the go-ahead to test on humans. Well, so the head of the FDA, and this, by the way, this doesn't mean that all the, you know, worker bees at the FDA are evil, right? There are people at these agencies that generally care about health and human safety. That's not what I'm saying. But the head of the FDA, who's also a um, former Google health exec, ties into a lot of this transhumanist stuff. I guess I'm getting ahead of myself because that's part two. But, um, you know, people like to act like eugenics is ancient history, but... Um, there are a lot of people who who are now conveniently like heading up, um, you know, Google AI, National Security Commission, stuff like that, who just um, feel like eugenics is like actually fine, but uh, the Nazis just did it wrong. But eugenics yeah. itself is fine. And um, yeah, you shouldn't be sewing people together and removing their eyeballs and. Putting right. them and put, putting them on your uh, what do you call it, cork board? Yeah, or like I guess you shouldn't um, let things get to the point where you know other countries want to get involved. Like you have to kind of like the Nazis were kind of like a little bit too loud, you know. Yeah. Um, a little it's... bit too overzealous. Yeah. Um, but instead you have to do it in a way where it's. It's about um, bettering the human condition and like, you know, there, there's another way of looking at this transhumanism stuff, which is like, oh, you're doing experiments on humans, but that, ooh, that kind of doesn't sound so good. So let's talk about bettering the human condition and, you know, helping those afflicted with misery and, you know, moving past the limitations of the human body. Like human bodies are, are things of the past. We need to be in a post-human world. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, yeah, so we have to save this part. You're right. You're right. Um, but you were talking about DARPA, which is, which is a big player in like the, the BCI world because DARPA um, was at the forefront of this. And, you know, if, you haven't listened to our earlier episodes like you know darpa is the basically the pentagon's research wing it stands for defense advanced research project agency um and they've been investing in brain to computer research for years and a man named ali mondi who's the uh manager of darpa's next generation non-surgical neurotechnology program said quote darpa is preparing for a future in which a combination of unmanned systems Artificial intelligence and cyber operations may cause conflicts to play out on timelines that are too short for humans to effectively manage with current technology alone. So this program's basically uh, aiming to develop these bi-directional brain-machine interfaces for soldiers, for you know what they call able-bodied service members. We're talking about control control of unmanned aerial vehicles. Um, control of cyber systems, teaming up with computer systems to like have soldiers be able to multitask mm -hmm. during missions. Um, these are all things that that DARPA talks about. Yeah, that is the end goal in mind. But we're 
we're very far away from the AI super soldier. That's not something that's going to happen in the next few years. No, I mean, even just the um, the trials for the first Neuralink chip is going to take, you know, six years. But, okay, so DARPA, in its own funding brief, says it's pushing for, like, a neural inter interface that enables fast, effective, and hands-free interaction with military system by able-bodied warfighters. We could say, so what? That's not going to happen for the next few years. But that actually means that it's more incumbent upon us to talk about it now because you know a common objection to you know negative reporting or like activism is like oh there's no point it's too late but it's actually not for stuff like this you know mm -hmm. because technology isn't there yet and when it is like yeah it will be too late for regular people to do anything yeah i guess i'm really not in my accelerationist bag today huh but like ultimately this is like another lever of power for, for the ruling class and i feel like um the argument for not worrying about them having this new lever basically just comes down to trust them bro like okay yeah, yeah. like this will give them the capability to maybe do abc bad things but they won't you know and it's like I don't know. I feel like the fact that the technology isn't there yet means actually now is the time no, to build I, awareness. I, I, yeah, sorry. No, I think both things are right. The technology isn't... I, okay, so when we talk about the technology being there yet, we mean it's not there yet. Like, there's no AI super soldiers right now. But, like, we can see that they're able to control the movement of an animal. Like, they're doing it with a pig. And so it's not that far-fetched to think that the technology exists to do it with a human. So, yeah, Neuralink isn't doing it yet, but they've made it very clear that that's their mission. And yeah, they made yeah. it very clear. Uh, and so has DARPA, right? So it's it's just a dialectic. It's both. Like, we shouldn't be fear-mongering about um, AI super soldiers because ultimately what does that lead to? More investment um, into creating the counter-AI super soldiers, <laughs> But yeah. um, we should also kind of be aware that this is what the ruling class is openly talking about. I actually am not that interested in um, the human controlling the machine with their thoughts stuff. It's more about us being spied on. It's like the last frontier of privacy. That's the, exactly scary our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. But this is where it, this is the natural next step for the market. And it's like, what's the uh, short term possibility with Neuralink? It's if they manage to get these test subjects to live after the surgery, unlike the monkeys, they're going to just have way more information right. than they've been able to attain before and and that is likely what Neuralink will be able to monetize and there's a whole new uh yeah like uh market or cottage industry organizing this information in one of the articles that we read the uh Daniel Carr talked about Rune Labs which is like a now they have an Alzheimer's app where it's like basically like reminds you of things. It's not like that high tech, but mm -hmm. you check in and you like give your mood a rating of one to ten. Yeah. Like, what do you What are you feeling right now? One to ten. Seven. Yeah, I'd say I'm like a seven now too. Yeah. But. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, what I was saying about Rune Medical is that there we're going to see more and more companies that are just gathering brain data and they're going to be able to monitor you on your phone and through your brain and just the information, the possibilities are endless. The things that Timu can sell you, like who knew you needed individual socks for each of your toes? Like it's <laughs> going to be. Wait, is that a thing? I think I saw something like that. I, I mean, like I see such bizarre things. It's like, <laughs> it shows you a picture of like, of, you know, something that you stick in your armpit and your mouth and you're like, wait a second, what is that for? And it's just like, I don't even have time mm. to understand what this device is. <laughs> right. Like, I just, I just got to move on with my life. Right. And then there's just like a picture of that device in my head. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, do I need it? I don't know. Go. No, it's one thing to have like your Instagram ads show up and like, uh, like personal blender from Timu. And then if it's connected to your brain chip, it like knows exactly what you're craving at a certain moment or thinking about or like you need, you need a Lexus. <laughs> yeah. Timu is Alexis. such a weird. We got to look into that one day. Like, I don't get yeah. it. One what of my friends it? tweeted, like, Timu seems like a raccoon uh, <laughs> selling things from the trash that it doesn't understand, like, what the purpose of these things are. <laughs> I have butchered it. Eli Uden, shout out. Uh -huh. um, yeah, all I wanted, just in case I didn't wrap that up, was that okay. we're already seeing the um, a whole industry of neuroinformation technology and the organization of it and where are where is this information going to be stored it's going to be like right. nvidia and aws it's going to be big ass monopolies that have access to this data and we're going to be getting into the uses um of all that information in the next part of this series on Neuralink. so tune in next week for that we um have to scrutinize the ownership and control of these bci bmi whatever technologies and question whether they serve the collective benefit of society or if they are concentrated in the hands of a privileged few but at the end of the day by and large when push comes to shove when all is said and done and the chips are down um are there any more that i missed the brain chips are down yeah nice <laughs> And um, the brain chips are down. <laughs> at the end of the day, um, this shit like raises mad questions. Um, she said it. <laughs> there's actually a book that um, I probably won't read, but I did read <laughs> some reviews. Let's, let's about... hear the title. <laughs> um, it's That's called... how far you're gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I read I read some summaries and then I was like, oh, I'm going to order this. And then I was like, am I even going to read it? It's just going to sit on my shelf. Um, but it's called Neuro Interventions of the Law, Regulating Human Mental Capacity. And it asked these questions like, you know, what if employers make their employees use neurotech to uh, monitor them? Um, if people start committing crimes by way of a BCI or some other neurotech, what's the crime? Um, or what if a brain implant could detect the neural patterns associated with impulsive aggression 
and then issue a warning to the person that they could be on the cusp of a violent outburst or even automatically act on their brain to calm them down. As Eric Andre famously said to Shark Tank's Damon John, unregulated capitalism causes democratic institutions to deteriorate into oligopoly and imperialism. Or, um, do you know what I'm talking about? What exactly no. did you say? Oh, um, I am going to play this for you. <laughs> Ding along a ling long. Welcome, Damon John. Now, do you ever fear that unregulated capitalism causes democratic institutions to deteriorate into oligopoly imperialism, exasperating support of counter-revolutionary wars and various forms of economic and cultural exploitation? Uh, actually, I don't. I really don't. <laughs> no, I like how he's like, I don't. Actually, no. I don't. <laughs> well, yeah, he's obviously like, he's a big capitalism enjoyer. By the way, that question um, was almost certainly ghostwritten by his former girlfriend uh rosalie rosario dawson yeah Rosar rosario dawson because she's like kind of um lefty and i don't know about the timing but i think they were dating at the time this was like back when she was actually cool and leftist that was actually like talked dirty talk she was like <laughs> let's dismantle the systems of repression back yeah there. I actually talked to her before. She's pretty down to earth and normal. Um, this was back when she was like leftist. Like there was a period of time when she was going to a lot of anti-war actions in DC and like definitely was influenced by the people there. But um, then she descended into a shit lib because now she's like dating fucking um, uh, what's his name, Cory Booker. Cory Booker, oh, crazy! Isn't that staggering? Grace, <laughs> really crazy. Um. But anyway, like the prophetic Eric Andre hinted at in that viral clip, this is just another tool um, of the toolbox of, as he put it, oligopoly imperialism, um, also known as just, you know, I guess fascism, natural result of unregulated capitalism, which is just capitalism after time passes. Um because like, okay, yeah, those with the most capital are going to be making sure that there isn't any meaningful gov government regulation against them, right? Um, and so the regulation, oh, whatever. I'm just being an online annoying communist right now. We should play Ben Shapiro's verse again to like cleanse the palate. Um, no. <laughs> no, anything but that. You do have some kind of safeguard within the FDA. So like, the biohackers and the transhumanists are going to say, oh, well, the FDA, they're not helping you live forever. They're only concerned with diseases. If we discover mm. something that makes you, that cures aging, it would never get FDA approval because they're concerned with diseases. And that is what we do need to be concerned about. Like the biohacking community, the transhumanists, they're concerned with, you know, finding the fountain of youth and we need to trudge forward and stop the aging process. We want to live forever, but there's like so many people who want to die today <laughs> and we need to figure <laughs> that out, you know? Yeah. Like let's make um the material conditions on this planet better so that people actually want to live. Yeah. Um, and then also you mentioned, um, you mentioned how the FDA is uh, kind of like a roadblock for these people, right? Mm -hmm. I think we're going to explore that. They're like, yeah, medicine well. is holding us back from yeah. finding the fountain of youth. 
Which but means... unfortunately, it's act. Oh shit! I think my broccoli's burning. <laughs> unfortunately, I'm just gonna finish this thought. Um, I don't know how much of a roadblock the FDA actually is. Um, some of that remains to be seen, but um, there are signs that it's actually not going to be that much of a roadblock because obviously, you know, we're all familiar with the concept of the revolving door. And for a long time, the revolving door with the FDA was about um, pharma corporations, right? Um, but it's shifting a little bit. I mean, pharma still obviously has a big influence on that agency that's supposed to regulate, you know, health and safety stuff. Um, but it's shifting a little bit to tech because there's a lot of new health focused technology, you know, med tech, neurotech, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, the libertarian view of that is like, yeah, the FDA sucks because the government's bad. They always like, you know, do bad stuff and usher in bad things. But it's like, yeah, the government is bad to the extent that they become the arms of these corporations. And if you're a libertarian, you don't want to hear the word corporations. So I'll say elites, special yeah. interests, Lizards. globalists. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <The> reptiles. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, you in part two. My broccoli is burning. I smell it. This is horrible. Can you sign off and say goodbye to everyone while I figure that out? See you guys later. Bye-bye. Okay, this is the real sign-off. Check us out in part two. Do we have more to say about this? I didn't know we did, but we do. I'm gonna look up transhumanism. right now.